0: Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no-obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod.
1: What's up, D2C pod? Uh, Welcome to our episode, and today we're excited to have on Darian Kosravi, who's the CEO of Cosmos Q, um, which is the world's leader in high-quality barbecue sauces, rubs, and injections. So without any further ado, uh, Darian, why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about um, what you've been building at Cosmos and um, a little bit about yourself and your background.
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, Here at Cosmos, uh, We believe in creating the best user experience for anybody wanting to barbecue and grill, whether that be at your house or on the competition circuit. Between myself and the teams we sponsor, uh, I think we're at eight world champions. So uh, we believe in um, uh, providing flavors to the consumer that Ordinarily, over time, you've never been able to get at a grocery store. So that's what we do. Um, I started my barbecue journey in two thousand and four. Um, I was uh, we had a young family, and running the running the streets uh, as a bachelor, that was over. So I was sitting around one day and I was like, well, what, what, you know, what do, (laughs) what do dads do? You know, I was in my early thirties and, um, I was like, well, you know, I guess I could take up barbecuing. So I went to Walmart, bought me a smoker. And by Saturday morning, I set on my journey and (laughs) tried my best. Uh, this was before YouTube and a lot of the the informational highway was built, so to speak, Um, started, uh, got up early, started barbecuing that morning. And uh, that evening we sat down for um, what I was hoping was going to be a phenomenal meal. And it just turned out to be an absolute train wreck. It was (laughs) probably some of the worst food I've ever had in my life. Um, I'll never forget my uh, wife holding the trash can open as I was throwing it all away, and it was just, it was just absolutely inedible. And at the time, um, I was like, "That will never happen again. That will never happen again to me as long as I live. I do not care what I have to do, and I have a um, a unique ability to become." Hyper focused (laughs) on something, and that's what I did. Um, I became hyper focused on barbecue and just trying to, you know, cook something that was edible.
1: No, absolutely, and I, I love the the personal experience that you bring to it, and and the other reason that we're really excited to talk to you and like learn a little bit more about this story is, is as we're chatting about offline, it's like there's so many brands that are you know launching on the internet and and you know maybe have been around one, two, three years, but you guys have been in the game now 15 plus years. Like you said, you've um, you know dominated the the world BBQ circuit. You guys have really expanded into this entire product niche that's you know different than um, that's kind of its own little world, right? So, um, so, so clearly the inspiration, and in at least in the early days, where you were looking out for something, you're like, "Hey, let me take a barbecue," and you kind of got into it. And then, what was the what was the leap from that first, you know, maybe not so delicious meal into a full fledged business? And what did that progression look like?
2: Oh, that progression was slow and long. Um, over the next couple of years, I just would set out on the weekends, get up early in the morning, stay up late at night and just start honing my craft. And my goal was in the beginning just to create something that was edible. And then once I achieved that, I started realizing that when you went into the grocery store and bought the the sauce or the rub, it was just bland at best. It just was average. And I noticed that As I went to all these stores, it was the same thing, but it was it was the same thing replicated everywhere. And I thought, well, I wonder if I could, you know, make a better rub. So I started uh, toying around with rubs. And uh, sure enough, I was I quickly learned that, you know, I was able to to taste things and see things in my head. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy when I tell that to people, but I can actually taste what I believe the best version of something should be in my head. Um, And when I started practicing that with uh, our rubs, I was able to then um, uh, break them down and understand the flavor and the flavor notes and the sequences that they need to uh, be in to walk somebody along that journey well i started in doing competition barbecue as a i was just watching it there was something on tv and i thought man i i bet i could do that so i signed up and went to a (laughs) a competition in um 2004 and ended up winning first place in ribs which Abs- like first time out absolutely blew me away and I was hooked from day one and that's what started me on the competition journey um it wasn't till about a couple years later that and, and e-commerce wasn't a thing back then I mean there was Amazon and eBay but that was really about it
0: how does this work do you have to like bring your own seasoning is there a standard seasoning do you bring your own meats like how does that because i feel like you know there's so many elements there
2: yeah there's so many different elements of it that you're absolutely right you would bring your own meat but the cool thing is is they actually inspect your meat so they actually look at it to make sure it is what it is and they actually you know will tie a tag or something on your cooler or your ice box or whatever Uh, to indicate that your meat has been inspected. The deal is, is once your meat has been inspected, it can't leave the cook site. So it can't leave until it actually goes to the judge's table. Um, As far as the sauces and seasonings, you can bring whatever you want. And at the time people would do their own version of the thing. And I was just like, man, like I, I, people wouldn't let you taste their food back then. So I I didn't know, like, so I was like, okay, well, what's, what's the best version of what I got? So that's when I started uh, creating my own rubs and then people would say, Hey man, you know, can I, can I buy some of that rub? Or so I was like, yeah, sure. So I would show up at a competition and, um, and sell my rub. And then I'd get people that would email me, um, and say, hey, can you ship that to me? So I was like, ah, sure, you know, I need some beer money. So I would I would start shipping seasoning around. And I never intended to have a business. It was it actually started on accident. Um, at the time there was only two injection companies that sold brisket injection. And I was using one of those <coughs> and I remember being at a competition, and it just like I, it just didn't taste right to me. And I remember going up to the owner and I was like, Hey man, I'm using your stuff. Um, Is there any way you can like, I'm not getting the results uh, that I think I should get. Um, Is there, can you help me out? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, you can read the directions. And he shut his trailer door in my face. And I was just like, I, I was so aggravated to my core. Like I felt it in my soul. I, I like I could feel like the heat. And I was just like, who treats their customers this way?
1: And wow. that, that that takes
2: that takes some nerve, right? Well, and since then, I, I like I've known the guy for a long time. Great, great individual. So I, then later on, I was like, well, I don't know what kind of day he was having or, you know, he could have got bad news or something. Uh, and it just it just so happened we intersected at a bad point um, because like I said I do know him now he's a great individual one of the best guys I I know but it's just that intersection of time and space um, bothered me and I was like okay now I'm gonna make my own injection
1: well I think I think the two tooth- the two things that are really important to unpack here, the first thing you mentioned was uh, you never like really set out to build this as a business. You were just trying to create something that you loved and you clearly had some early indicators of product market fit because people are hitting you up that you didn't ask for to hit you up, being like, hey, can you send me some of that rub? So that's number one. So so. The pro- you started by building a, a very, very solid product, clearly winning your first competition and getting that early demand. And then also like inter- in terms of the internal motivators, being in a situation where whatever day it was, no matter how good you, of friends you guys are now, that he just said something that got you kind of fired up and, and let you be like, oh, I can do this myself.
2: Correct, yeah. It, it, I didn't realize at the time, but the pain point that I was feeling most everybody was feeling, and it just so happens that uh, that interaction put me in a situation to create a solution not just for myself, but for everybody.
0: And so and that was so that was your first skew, the injection.
2: The injection was my first skew. I had uh, I I came out with a uh, brisket injection and a pork injection. I still made the rubs, but they were you know i'd put them in a ziploc bag and you know um just ship them out so it it wasn't as a matter of fact i didn't even offer it on my website until um i started my say my website oh my gosh it was a train wreck of a website but this is this is honestly back in 2009 so you know just picture that um but then i thought well, you know, why don't I just add these products on the website and see, you know, see if people will, you know, also buy them, you know, buy the injections and the rubs. And. And then I, I went to my co-packer and I was like, hey, these are my rubs. Can you guys make these by chance? Because I didn't know. And they said, absolutely. So we bottled them up. And at the time, it was my cow cover and Dirty Bird. As a matter of fact, I even have one of my very first bottles uh, right back here of. of this is, this is one I I stole from my dad. Uh, I printed these labels and, and put them on the bottle and it's actually still some of the same rub in there. It's just 15 years old or whatever. Um, and so I put them on the website and sure enough, people started buying and it was very cumbersome and, and just hard to sell because like I said, e-commerce wasn't a thing. There was no Shopify. There was no, you know, whatever any of the other ones are. So I had to just make a, you know, just a a WordPress website. And then I would just put the pictures on there. And then if you wanted some, you would send me an email. Then I would send you a (laughs) PayPal and then you would pay me on PayPal. And I thought, I wonder if I could put a button on my website. And so I went into PayPal and they had the HTML code that you could do that. So I put, I took the HTML code and I quickly became a freaking coder and I knew nothing, nothing about like, I was never taught any of this stuff. But once again, I get hyper-focused. I'm going to figure it out. So I put that PayPal button on there and that, that solved a, a, a big problem, you know, between now they just had to click the button and, and, it would just, it would, they could check out on PayPal. So now I just had to go to PayPal and print all my orders and ship all my products.
0: So I think I heard from part of your story that you started with 500 bucks.
2: 500 that... bucks. Uh, yeah. That when I first, so, and, and, and this is how the company started. Cause I was just like, I'm just going to take this injection and just sell it or get, you know, whatever at a competition just to get some beer money. And, um. I was. I actually ran down the manufacturer of one of the key ingredients in uh, our injection, and she was so helpful. Um, She would send me some samples. I was like, "Oh, this is good. Can you make it taste like this or this or that?" And she's like, "Yeah, we can. We can do whatever." And then I said, "Okay, I want to order 50 pounds of it." And she got real quiet on the phone, and she goes, "We only sell in bulk." And I was like okay, what what do you mean by that? She goes, you have to buy 3,000 pounds of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't need 3,000 pounds of this at all. Uh, and she goes, I think I have somebody that can help you. And she is the actually the one that put me in contact with uh, my co-packer. And um, sure enough, they said, yep, we can do it. We'll sell you 50 pounds. So they sold me 50 pounds. Uh, actually, it wasn't fifty pounds. It was it was two fifty pound boxes. <laughs> and uh, he said, "What's your company name?" And at the time, my competition barbecue team name was Cosmos Q. Uh, my last name's Koshravi. and growing up where I come from, everybody has a nickname, and most kids couldn't say my last name, so they just called me Cosmo. And and we just shortened up the barbecue to Q, because that's what you know. I guess you do. <laughs> so they said, what's your company name? I was like, oh, that's it's Cosmos Q. And they're like, okay. So that's how we got our company name. They put Cosmos Q down and they shipped it to me. And I put it, it was a $500. And at the time I wasn't making much money. I was a route driver. Uh, and uh, I put it on a credit card and I thought my wife is going to, absolutely murder me when she finds out and the only thing i could think of is i need to get my 500 back 500 back as fast as possible um she didn't kill me thankfully uh so yeah
0: that's that's an amazing story and i can't wait to for it to you know to unpack here like how that how then you place the next po what that process was like Um, And I know Blaine wants to jump in here, but I think one thing that I find really interesting is, you know, if you look at it from a risk perspective and buying your inventory, this is a product that just fits your lifestyle and the things you're already doing. Like you already love the competition. Anyways, At worst case, you're going to run around there and sell that there. Um, you can sell it along your routes. One of your routes, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people. You're seeing a lot of people. You're coming across other people that enjoy barbecue naturally. Um, whereas, you know, people that are thinking of starting a business, um, this is one of the benefits of selling a product where like your environment is, the buyer of the product de-risk a lot of this. For example, if you love surfing, you look, you get into a surfing product, you're part of that community already versus just trying to flip sandals from, you know, high fashion sandals from another country. And it's a space, you know, nothing about next thing, you know, you're stuck with that inventory and there's no way out.
2: Yep. Very true. Very true. It was, a uh, it, 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 it was refreshing because I, the 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 people that I sold to early on were like minded. We had the same interest. Uh, we had the same uh, uh, problems, pain points, and we all we all wanted the same solution. We just didn't know it yet.
1: So Darren, after after that, you you've placed your first order. Uh, what what was selling through it like? Who who were the who were the buyers of the first rounds of uh, the. The, the brisket injection that you were producing.
2: It was 100% competition people. Like I said back in the day, the website, the you know Google was early on, and like the so the whole search engine thing. You anybody that remembers it back then, if you typed in something, Lord knows what was going to show up. So I mainly sold to competition people, and I mainly sold to competition people for a long, long time.
1: Got it. So so the other benefit about being on that competition circuit, like, you know, like Ramon had been alluding to as well, was the fact that that arena that you were playing in, you always had people being able to sample your product, right? Like even in the worst case scenario, you're cooking with it, someone's Mm going to taste it. So there's always that live sort of feedback. And you're able to get that product in front of people, right? And so I'm sure Also, the feedback that you were getting because you're in a competition environment, like if it's performing well, you're like, "Okay, clearly I'm doing doing something right. So was that helpful to have as kind of a guide for the direction of your product as you were formulating and cooking and going through the circuit?
2: Yeah. And the great thing was, is, you know, these are like minded people, but I'm getting real time feedback from them. So they would come up to me and go, hey, I use this, but, you know. Kind of the same thing that happened to me. Hey, I use this, but this happened. I'd say, okay, try this. So I would give feedback uh, on how they could get better results of the product, and that was uh, that was that was key because it was we you know we we would go out on the weekends and we would be there together for two days so they could you know i i got to experience the customer journey with me.
1: and i think the other, the other thing is it wasn't just uh these aren't just any people sampling your injection and your rubs and all this like this is the the circuit this is like the creme de la creme of people that could be potentially giving you feedback because they're competing in the circuit as well, right? So I think another important thing is it's, it's not just like anyone's sampling this. You have the right people sampling it who can give you that feedback. So I guess the the the, the takeaway there and the unfair advantage you have is you're getting not only really fast feedback, but really fast and high-quality
2: feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And they wouldn't hold anything back. And anybody that knows me knows i like – you don't need to beat around the bush with me. Let's get straight to the, you know, nuts and bolts of it. And let's get to the bottom of it because if, if you're experiencing a problem, I want to know about it so I can help, uh, um, either redirect you, inform you, or re or guide you to, uh, something
0: different. And so at which point, um, you know, I, you, you were dry. you, you were, were you a trucker? Uh, I, I, I,
2: pretty close. I wasn't a trucker, but I, I was on a has waste route. So I was home every night and I would just, uh, um, collect has waste and stuff
0: like that. So at what point were you, okay, this is turning into something like what, what was the PO that, you know, you, you had to place. I'm just trying to get to like the yeah. next transition of the business. No, 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 no. I, I know exactly where <laughs> I was. I was actually
2: in Edmond, Oklahoma. I was at a 7 Eleven. And like I said, I didn't make that much money. And I would stop at 7 Eleven and I would eat a, at the time they were $1.19 sandwiches and 99 cent chips. And I had my water with me. So I could eat for like $2.50. And I would, I would like strategically place my lunches around 7 uh, Elevens. And I was sitting there eating my lunch. And this is apps were very, very early in the day. Uh, um, I don't even know when Android uh, or when iPhone came out with their first phone, but I had an Android and, and it, back then I went from a flip phone to an Android. So it, to me it was, it was, you know, it picked up phone calls and you could send text messages. But I remember sitting there one day and I was like, I wonder if I can log into my PayPal website from here. Um, Cause I had a browser on there. So I logged in and I, when I logged in, I made, uh, I didn't made, but we sold $1,000 worth of product that week. And that was the first time I seen it. And I I just I mean, literally, honestly, I just sat there and I just started crying. Because here I am making $600 every two weeks. And now for the first time, I think my head, my eyes were open and I went, oh my gosh, no one knows about this. No one knows about this. I just sold $1,000 worth of product in one week. If I did that every week, I could make $52,000 a year. And it, it, that is what just...
0: What drove that?
2: Honestly, just word of mouth. Yeah. Word, word of mouth. Word of mouth yeah. is, to this day, is the best form of advertising You could ever invest in.
0: Yeah, I think it just goes back to what Blaine was saying too. It's just, I think there's like a growth hack there that was unintentional of the competition Mm -hmm. because those people are influencers of the space too. Um, And they're going to recommend whatever is the best. They want to look good too. Um, So, you know, it seems like I also want to talk about your content strategy. I, I found that really interesting. You're crushing it on Instagram your YouTube is killer. Um, but what I find here is that you just have these patterns of figuring shit out. Like you figured out WordPress. You figured out PayPal. You 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 didn't grow up in the media, social media era. You still figured out YouTube. You're doing it better than we are over here. So um, what what was diving into the digital content space like and, and what drove that? So I, this is
2: uh, just for reference uh, for you. Uh, you and your audience, I was burned at 17 months old. I was burned, and I lived the majority of my childhood in the Shriners Burn Institute. So school was not a, I'm not going to say not a priority, but I had, you know, life, you know, issues that took precedence over school. And I was not a smart student. I got C's and D's. If I got a C, that was an A to me. I was freaking winning. Um, I didn't graduate high school, um, so I don't, I don't, I don't have any of this. But the one thing that I did have is a calling, and that calling, when I when I found it, it was just lightning in a bottle. And the the quick thing that I figured out, I want to say, is is I was like, how can I take a conversation? if i'm having a conversation with you personally face to face how can i take that and and mirror that on a website and the then and now customers was extremely important to us so in my content days i was sitting there i was like how can i have a conversation with a bigger audience and this is before the gary v you know get a camera and do all this (laughs) i was just like i need to educate people because every time i would talk to somebody at first i just assumed you knew what i knew, you know because i was on that playing field now and now after competition barbecue you quickly understand that some people don't eat they can't even grill chicken you know so i would try to position myself as an educator and have a conversation with you. Probably the best piece of advice I was ever given by somebody was, and anybody that's ever looked into a camera and done content they you know, you get weirded out, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happens if a thousand people see this or or 10,000 or a million or 2 million? And that that just started, you know, numbing my brain. And I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you need to quit talking to the camera like you're speaking to an audience and start talking to the camera like you're speaking to a person. And that that changed it for me. And that's when I said, I, if you ever meet me in person in the airport or in a different city, I want you to meet the same person that you saw on the The TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, I want that to be the same person. And the only way that can happen is if I show people who I truly am and I humble myself and I become transparent, vulnerable, and honest.
0: I think being i think the vulnerable piece is so important because what you're trying to do with that strategy is i mean it's not necessarily a strategy it's more so being yourself because you're trying to earn a true fan not try to please everyone so that message is going to resonate so hard with one individual that you're going to earn a true fan somebody that understands your journey and is there forever as a customer because otherwise it's just noise if you're just trying to please a thousand or a million people. It's practically impossible to relate to everyone. All of our lives are so different. Yeah, absolutely,
2: and the, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is like I know we hear all this stuff today about you know authenticity and why people love TikTok, for example, as a channel is because they're like, oh, it's a platform where people can be authentic and it's not so dressed up as Instagram or this and that. But I think what you quickly figured out is What you're saying is when I'm talking to the camera and I'm treating that camera like it's a person, that's just that's like you being authentic to yourself and to your audience. Like you're saying, it's not you putting on a mask or a face when you're talking to them. It's 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 Darian coming through. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think in nowadays you hear you got to get people to like, know and trust you. And at the time, what I didn't realize is I, I was getting people to like, know and trust me. But I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I wanted people to believe me. And the only way somebody can believe you is not just through your words, but through your actions. And not just through your wins, but through your failures. And I wanted people to know that, hey, man, I screw up barbecue. I still do to this day. I made some ribs about six months ago that were so salty. I almost had to put them in the sink and wash them off. And I was like, "What was I thinking?" You know, but I that I mean, we're human. I'm human. I mean, I think my whole life I was told to sit down, shut up, be quiet. You know, you're not you're not good enough. You, the you know this this scorecard that we keep of you shows us that you're probably not going to be out uh, turn out to be a good person, let alone a good citizen, let alone a good worker. And what was what no one ever took into consideration was is I am who I am. And, and that's how we all are. We are who we are. We just need to find the good in that and and build
0: on that. Yeah, I mean, it's about channeling that energy. Like where, where I mean, this energy, I mean, I, I relate to a lot of this. I, I, you know, I had ADHD, I was prescribed, I stopped taking it, couldn't graduate college. But, you know, you get me in a surfboard and I just want to surf all day. And, you know, it's, it, it's about finding then the calling and then channeling that energy. Well, now I get just as obsessed with, with working because I'm just as passionate about that. But a lot of people get thrown off the rails by being told, um, you know, a lot of those things. It's not easy to hear that over and over so um in your content strategy you're doing well at instagram you're doing well at youtube i'm i'm interested in hearing about youtube i mean how do you produce this content some you know obviously i can tell on the youtube channel it keeps getting better and better and better the quality of the content this i won ten thousand dollars with this steak recipe video is really good it's got 700 views what channels are you doubling down on and which one are you seeing the most success in
2: um, currently, we are doubling down on um, Facebook Reels. We are doubling down on YouTube Shorts, um, and we are doubling down on TikTok.
0: And so, does what does you know? How do you produce this content? What does your content team look like? <laughs> so, uh,
2: on our content team, uh, and granted, we, uh, on our video side, we have one. Two, three, four, four people, um, but that show up for a shoot is six. There's seven of us on a shoot, um, and that is that is our A plus content. That is our polished content. Um, we want to we want to make that look good. We want to make it clear so you can see what's going on. But we also want to build it in a way that we can. Um, Chop it up, if that makes sense. Um, I, I heard it said this way. You can you can walk in and, and, and listen to a professor talk about one thing for one hour and you got one piece of content. Or you can walk in and listen to a comedian tell a hundred different jokes and you got a hundred pieces of content and you still have the A plus content, the full length version. So we try to produce it in a way that we can start chopping it up and putting it in other uh, intersections where attention is being gathered.
1: And in terms of, I I think that's a really smart way to uh, approach content in terms of making sure you meet the audience where they are and what the platform offers. So um, so what is the kind of strategy in terms of re being able to chop that up how do you differentiate the content that's going to TikTok versus youtube shorts um versus facebook reels is there any difference are you using the same content or or are you purpose customizing what you're chopping up for each platform and how are those working
2: now we will we will purpose some of that content for the individual platform but for the most part uh we shoot our long form it goes on youtube and uh facebook as full length videos and then we chop it up and then they'll get sent out from there as well as as well as recipes on our website
1: gotcha and and how is how is the content revolution you know continue to drive your business how has it accelerated sales for you guys because obviously the numbers that you're seeing when you get when you're doing millions and millions of views on YouTube and all these other platforms uh, are you seeing it hit the bottom line
2: yeah absolutely it, I, I wish there was a way to uh, tie it all together without becoming too uh, building too complex of a system. Um, but we know I t- actually took a break from YouTube for a year because at the the way we was doing it, I did it for I think four or five years straight, and I I was just getting burnt out, and it, it it forced us to step back and go okay. What's working, what's not working, and how can we redo this to, to better serve our community without, you know, burning me out or driving me crazy or driving the rest of the team crazy for that matter. So uh, one thing we started doing is batch shooting all of our content.
1: Got it. So, so in terms of your strategy, you're, you guys are able to get together, come up with a whole bunch of content at once, batch it out, and then you have content that you're able to distribute across all these different platforms. And that is as long as you're constantly releasing content that can continue to pump and drive sales. Is that, is that accurate?
2: Absolutely. This is the busiest we've ever been. And this is the most content we've ever put out too. So you know, there, there is a system out there. You just have to find what works for you and uh, your headspace as well as your time.
1: So speaking of time and, uh, you know, and all the time that's being taken up, what where else are you focused on the business right now? I know that we had talked about the, the first SKU that you built out and the rub, but now I know you guys are over 30 SKUs. So why don't you tell us a little bit now about the products that you're offering and and also like where, where's your time going? Where are you focused on and where are you investing in in the business?
2: My time is mostly dedicated now, believe it or not, to actually running the day-to-day of the company um, because we have you know built in uh, the content piece to not take up so much time. Uh, we are focused, though, on growing uh, here in America as well as um, Canada, UK, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and just getting the product out to the world because barbecue is not just an American thing. It's barbecue is huge all over the world. And, uh, they crave the same, you know, the same flavors that we crave here and they have the same pain points and we want to offer them the same solution.
0: So what, so are you, are you running ads, um, with this content? Are you, or is just to play content? I see you guys are at a bunch of retailers as well. So B2B retail is, is definitely a play content is a play. SEO is a play with the recipes. Um, is this content being repurposed in, in ads or is just mostly, you know, content in and, and retail?
2: Well, no, it is. It is. Um, we just recently um, stepped back from our ads. We had some ad uh, partners that um, we just wasn't seeing the results. So I said, let's turn it off. Let's turn it off and see what happens. And we turned it off. And I mean, sales dropped a little bit, but not that much. And then I quickly, I, that's when I quickly realized is that not everybody has the same mentality as I have. I, my mentality is, is, Once you buy a customer, the only time you should spend money on that customer, again, as far as uh, showing them ads, is if they are about to cycle out of your universe. So when you buy a customer, whether it be on Facebook, Instagram, Google, uh, wherever it is, that customer needs to transition to your internal team to nurture, because you, I mean, you already have their information, you know, you're already paying for the emails and you're already paying for the SMSs and, you know, you're already shooting the ads and shooting the videos. And, you know, so that customer needs to transition. Not a lot of people agree with that. Am I saying that I'm right? No. Here's what I do know. Um, If you try to keep up with Amazon running ads, I mean, they'll run me out of business. So I have to, you know, leave that red ocean, so to speak, and I got to go find a, a new place to fish uh, that's blue ocean.
1: You know, that that makes a lot of sense in terms of focusing on, you know, acquiring customers. Once you've acquired them, they batch into your lifecycle marketing and you're able to maintain them with touch points with your content, your email, SMS, keep them warm and not overinvest in more ads on those those people, I think that makes a ton, ton of sense, and how you, you guys are approaching it. And then, um, you know, one thing that I wanted to make sure we, we get into before uh, we wrap up here is the thing you mentioned about education, right? This is something that a lot of brands are really heavily leaning into now um, on the education front, and. For a product like yourself, uh, there's a lot of knowledge that comes into it, especially when consumers may not have all of that information at at the top tier of the the, the barbecue circuit, right? So, I think it's really important that you were able to one pick up on that um, early on in terms of how important education is to onboarding customers and retaining them, getting them to uh, become loyal to your brand. And the second thing is, you know, I think we're all curious about what are what are some of the, the real tips and why don't you educate us a little bit on what we need to be doing to, to, to barbecue the right way, uh, whether it's chicken, steak, brisket, whatever it is?
2: Oh, man, I, I, we, could, we could talk for hours on end. I always like to ask somebody, um, we have a storefront here in Oklahoma City, and I always ask them, what are you cooking? You know, So I, I would ask you, what do you like to cook?
1: Let's just say I like to grill steak and chicken. What what are, steak so sometimes, yeah, I find myself, you know, uh, I find myself Googling sometimes like, oh, how long should this be on the grill? Or, you know, how should I prep it? So if, you, if we just wanted to talk grilling steak and chicken and assuming that I never want to have to go to Google to ask about that again, like, how do I do it?
2: Uh, well, first of all, I, I would say start with this. Um, there's probably something in your mind that is, is, is going, uh, you probably screwed up once or twice and you probably went, oh my gosh, now nah, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to waste as much money. And I would say, get that out of your head because I could literally talk to you over the phone, over the internet, however, and, and get you up to speed. Um, here's how I like to do steaks. Um, first of all, I like ribeyes. So I always look for a nice fat ribeye. I'm looking about an inch to an inch and a half. Uh, and if you have a a butcher in your area, I request, you know, give me an inch and a quarter, give me that perfect one, and then I like to cook indirect. Now, you could probably, you know, start a million fights on social media, indirect versus direct or whatever, but at the end of the day, you you just got to do what you like to do. I personally, I cook my steak on a Weber kettle, which is anywhere. Anybody that knows anything about cooking knows you can go to any store and get a Weber. I build a fire off to one side, and then I put the steak on the other side. And I have a thermo pan up. I was going to say invest in anything. Invest in ThermoWorks products. ThermoWorks are dead on thermometers, and you know within three seconds. So I put my steak off to the side. I like to rub my steak. Uh, spoiler alert: how I won a ten thousand, how I won the world steak championship. And $10,000, I used uh, my cow cover, my uh, Dirty Bird Hot, and Texas Beef. Now, when I rub them, I build in layers. So I do cow cover first, a nice light coat, a nice light coat of uh, Dirty Bird Hot, and a light coat of Texas Beef. Set that on the counter, cover them up, and I let them set there. Then I go start the fire. (coughs) Once your fire's going, you're ready to rock and roll. Put the steak on there. I stick my little thermo works. I got a little probe that I can stick in there. I can see the temperature on the outside. And if your steak is about an inch to an inch and a quarter, when it hits about 90 degrees internal temp, I open the lid up and this is where the magic starts. Because all you got to do is just put the steak on there, let it hit 90, 95 degrees, depending on the thickness. If it's a little thicker, I'd let it come come up to 95.
0: How long does it usually take to hit 90?
2: It usually takes about... Depending on altitude and humidity, uh, believe it or not, that does play a factor. I know in Miami, humid uh, as it is, it, you know, but here where where I am in Oklahoma, we're about two thousand feet above sea level, so it takes about six minutes. If you're in Colorado, it may take twelve minutes. But w- once it hits ninety, that's that's the glorious thing about it. Just let it hit ninety. Then I take the lid off and I leave the lid off and I let my steak sit there until them coals get ripping hot. And then I pull my probe out. Then I put it over there. 45 seconds, 45 seconds, 45 seconds, 45 seconds. Pull it off. Put it in tinfoil. Wrap it up. Go fix my baked potato. And then when I'm done, it's time to freaking eat. And that right there is the easiest way to cook the perfect. Now that will that method right there will actually ruin you from eating steaks anywhere else. So I, I feel like I should add a disclaimer here. Uh, once you do this and and you figure out what works best best for you and your family, steak night at the at at, at the expensive steakhouse, uh, those days are probably done with.
1: Well, well, Darren, I'm, I'm super pumped to, uh, to have our editors chop this clip up. I'm going to have this on repeat for me and the family. Uh, and we're going to pick up some of those rubs and, and make sure we, we layer it one and two. We're, I, I can't wait.
2: Awesome. You let me know if you got any questions. I'll help you out, my friend.
1: <laughs> no, we, we appreciate that. Uh, Ramon, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Uh, Ramon, you're on mute, I think.
0: Uh, no, I just wanted to add that if you want the longer extended version of that, you should visit Cosmos Q's YouTube channel because I believe he breaks this down there on the, you know, I won $10,000 for this steak recipe video. So the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Cosmos Q and then Cosmos, uh, you know, uh, Darren, I'll, I'll let you sort of share with the audience. Where can people find out more about you? Keep up with you and, and find Cosmos Q.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Cosmo Q, and that's K-O-S-M-O-S, and just the letter Q. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, and YouTube. On YouTube, we actually have a couple hundred how-to videos. Whether it be if you want to uh, know how to cook a how to cook a steak, how to cook a brisket, how to cook pulled pork. Uh, I think we even did a cake one time on there. So. You can find us there. Um, Our website is cosmosq.com, K-O-S-M-O-S-Q.com. You can search through all of our products. We have, I don't even know how many products now. We have rubs, sauces, injections, glazes, wing dust. If you've never used wing dust, this is a
0: game changer.
2: What was that, Ramon?
0: No, I said I'm a big wing guy. I'm going to have to try that out. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah.
2: Get ready. Get yeah. ready because the, with the wing dust, you can cook them naked. And I don't care how you cook them, fry them, grill them in, in the oven, in your air fryer. Uh-huh. And the, the, the genius thing about the wing dust is, is you apply it after the wings are done. So oh. if you're sitting there with your, with your spouse or your kids, I just put all the flavors out there. You put your own wing dust on them. Garlic, Parmesan, Nashville hot, Buffalo, Buffalo hot. Uh, one of my favorites is the ghost pepper um it's absolutely phenomenal um so yeah
0: yeah, yeah that was that
2: going to change your life man
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna try it out i'm gonna go for it um well thank you darren it was amazing to hear your story with cosmos um hope you enjoyed this one dtc pod and uh we're all excited to to keep up with your journey thank you guys thank you